What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to another edition of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Glenn Naughton. And tonight we are not alone. We will be joined by a third guest, a special guest, somebody that I met down in Mobile uh, at the Senior Bowl, had the the time I'd spent about three practices with him watching prospects. He was taking videos. I met him along with uh, Green Bean, another Jets content creator. And uh, we hit it off really well. We we see eye to eye with a lot of prospects. And um, I'm really excited to have him on. I was just on his podcast. So now he's returned the favor. He's going to come on our podcast. But before I introduce him formally, Glenn, how are we doing tonight? Doing good, man. Doing good. Looking forward to getting into some of these prospects now as, uh, as things kind of start you know, the, the focus shifts to the draft, even though we're watching the quarterback situation, you know, closely, but really there's no movement there and who knows when there will be. Yeah. That's always going to be the, the back burner conversation that we will keep bringing up when there is news and there is a bit of news that we'll get into, but I feel like now we've kind of shifted this podcast last week. We spent most, most of more than half of the podcast talking about draft prospects and it's only going to be that kind of structure from here on out, obviously news will take the, the front of the pod, but it's going to be draft and no better to have Dom C who he's a jets and uh, draft analyst. Like I said, he works with green bean. He was, uh, he does content with him. He does content with jets chaos on YouTube. So he's all over the jets content streams. Uh, and that's Dom C. We're going to bring him on now. Dom, how's it going? What's up Dylan Glenn. Thanks again for having me. I appreciate it and looking forward to it, man. Looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah. 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 This is going to be an awesome one. Um, just a quick rundown for the draft portion of the show. The three of us are going to go over our offensive guys, uh, you know, just guys that we'd pound the table for at all offensive positions. Obviously, uh, most of the listeners have heard Glenn and I's takes. So um, it's going to be nice to have a third uh, third person in there rotating and giving new names to the table. So that's what we have as far as the draft goes. But uh, first, I just wanted to kick it off with some Jets news. Excuse me. Uh, quick uh, staff hires. Um, we're not going to spend too much time on this. Like I told Dom offline, I didn't spend the last four or five days studying Zach Azani's past concepts in Denver. Uh, it seems like he's been there for the last couple years, so predating Hackett, so he's not following Nathaniel Hackett, just to the Jets staff from Denver. Um, Glenn, any quick thoughts on on Zach uh, Azani and John Vieira, the instructional designer? It seems like he's just going to be the PowerPoint guy helping the uh, the coaches refine their coaching a little bit better. Uh, any any notes on these guys? You know, look, you know, I always say I, I hate to pretend I know a great deal about opposing teams, position coaches. Um, but, you know, you, you do look at some of the success, uh, some of the development with some of the young players they've had. And that's that's always a good sign. You know, we we have had times in the past where the Jets bring in an assistant, you know, like Sanjay Lal comes to mind, the, the receivers mm-hmm. coach. And you like you go through his history and you're like, I can't find one guy who got better under him. Like, what is what's going on here? Um, not the case here. There are some young guys who have taken steps. Um, so that's, that's, that's really all you can hope for. You know, I'm not going to go back and watch 35 Broncos games and watch the receivers progress over the years and, and see how they got better. But you saw young players improve production wise. And, um, as shocking as it is, teams don't always find guys who have done that. Yeah. And before I kick it to you, Dom, I'm going to follow it up with a secondary question. Um, There's been rumors, obviously, uh, that wide receivers from Denver in trade packages to New York, namely Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Mm -hmm. I prefer uh, Jerry Judy over Cortland Sutton. That's neither here nor there. Um, Do you have any any notes on the hires? And then also, would you entertain a trade for one of those veteran wide receivers? Well, uh, I mean, full disclosure, I haven't, you know, I, I've kind of been, my focus has been so 
you know, draft oriented that I haven't mm-hmm. done much uh, research, if you will, on, on the new wide receiver coach, Azini. Um, I, all, all I know is that he's been in the league for a while. He's been with Denver for a while. And um, I saw a clip and, and, you know, I don't know who put it out, but, you know, KJ Hamler really speaks the word, the word, uh, the world about mm-hmm. the guy. So, you know, he's had an influence on the guys who are there, you know, and to your second point, to the question, like, um, you know, would I want somebody like Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, at, at what cost does it come? Like, I mm-hmm. think Cortland Sutton would be, you know, the, the ideal prototypical X for our offense, you know, and, and the athleticism and the youth and, you know, the, you know, the money that Judy doesn't cost yet, um, you know, having him running routes next to Garrett Wilson. I mean, that who wouldn't like fantasize about that. So, but again, you know, I know Cortland Sutton's probably in what the second year of his extension or his new contract, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know how much it, it is. I think it was five for 75 or four for 70 or something like that when he originally signed it. Um, so, you know, th- there's, there's that factor co- would come into play, but you know, skill wise, I'd be happy with either of them. Absolutely. I think they'd be upgrades over, you know, what we have in Corey Davis and, and Denzel Mims and, you know, maybe even Elijah Moore, you know, Elijah Moore to me is a big, still a big question mark, you know, love mm-hmm. the talent, but you don't know what you're going to get out of them, you know? Glenn, your thoughts on Sutton or Judy? Yeah, I was, I was a big, I mean, a lot of people were, but I was a big Judy guy coming out. I feel like, yeah, I would love to add him to this roster. You know, you mentioned this route running Dom, the guy, I remember the first time watching him as a prospect and I thought mm-hmm. like this guy he moves like a video game like yeah. he just he, he doesn't move like other players move it, he, it almost looked unnatural um in a good way um I feel like it took him a little bit longer like I thought he was going to be huge right off the bat um that wasn't the case but I think he's a good player I'd, I'd love to have him and your point about Elijah Moore um I mentioned that the other day I did a, a brief article on the sort of the big decisions the Jets have to make at wide receiver right now. Like, what do you do with Corey Davis? What do you do with Braxton Berrios? What do you do with Elijah Moore? The talent's there, but is there going to be a lingering effect? Like, I really think the team, of course, publicly, they they supported him. But, but I, I would, you know, you spend an entire offseason and, and preseason and training camp, and, like, your, your motto is, like, positive vibes only. And the second you win a few games in a row, this guy's like, I want out. Yeah. Like, I can see the Jets behind <laughs> the scenes being like, get this guy out of here. Like, he, he literally just, you know, threw out our entire mantra um, cause he didn't get enough targets while we're winning. So, um, I'm not sold on the jets, not moving him. Um, uh, but I, I would love, I mean, perfect scenario. Obviously he grows up a little bit and the jets are throwing the damn football because the guy can play. Oh, absolutely. I, I we talk about it all the time. Like, you know, it, it, whether you were pro Michael floor or anti LaFleur, um, you know, there were games where Elijah Moore was open. He wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't the For focal sure. point, but I mean, th- there was times there was open. So some of it was just the lackluster efforts that we had at quarterback. You know, there was definitely times that, that you felt like, you know, he wasn't part of the game plan, you know, unless the game plan was, you know, running orbit behind, you know, you, you know, behind the formation left and right and center. Um, you know, but th- there was times that he was open and he just didn't get the ball. So I understand yeah. frustration, but I also understand professionalism. You got to handle it better. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. You know, th- I think there's a balance there. And and I agree with what you said, Glenn. I don't know necessarily. Like, like, <clears throat> I talk about this a lot. Um, I don't know if the wide receiver room as constituted right now um, is going to look similar come, you know, the start of the season, start of training camp. You know, I. It wouldn't. It, it, I, my doors wouldn't be blown off if Elijah Moore isn't part of a trade. Um, you know whether it's 
part of, you know, a trade to bring in a quarterback or part of a trade to upgrade at the position. You know, maybe they like Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy and, and they work something out and he shipped out. If we lose a first round pick or second round pick or compensation to get a quarterback, maybe we gain some of it back by shipping somebody, you know, a, a low cost, you know, um, contract like Elijah Moore who still has two years left. Because I agree with you. I, I don't know if the whole team is smitten. I don't know if it was just MLF. Yeah, it's, it's that's a tough one that we'll probably never find out the full details on on who was creating the rift. But it seemed like everybody had a part in it. Lafleur, uh, Moore, Wilson, obviously. So sure, that all stems into the problem. But I think the best way to sum it up is looking at the Jets' depth chart. It, it's one and a half guys, maybe. So you have Garrett Wilson, and then however you feel about Elijah Moore, and then after that, nobody's a lock to be on the the roster week one whether they're tr uh, trade candidates, cut candidates, it doesn't really matter. And I yeah. think it also, if you want to go back and listen to some wide receiver draft rankings, Dom and I did that Sunday night uh, on Jets Chaos YouTube feed. You can find that video there. That's um, his weekly show. Um, spent just about under three hours talking wide receiver prospects and wide receiver as a whole. So that was a great, a great podcast for everybody to go back and listen to. Um, but back to the Broncos wide receivers, I think, when it comes to Jerry Judy, I think he's going to cost the most. Obviously, he's the the younger, probably flashier asset. So you're probably going to have to give up more for him than a Cortland Sutton. But like you said, I believe Cortland Sutton's already paid. So you're just kind of inheriting his contract. Mm -hmm. I could see a case for both. I think Cortland Sutton would be a great outside receiver replacement for Corey Davis. Uh, Robert Woods was also just released, and I kind of forwarded that around too. I don't know if it's necessarily a one-to-one -one replacement, but I don't think Cortland Sutton is either. But if they want a bigger, taller receiver, and Nathaniel Hackett seems to like taller receivers, that could be the option for them. So something to keep on the back burner. The wide receiver position is certainly not finalized. I think within the first two or three rounds, you have to go get a, a wide receiver. I've advocated at 13. If the board falls that way, you got to go get one of them. So a wide receiver is going to be a position to watch this entire offseason obviously after the quarterback domino falls. And that brings us to our next little talking point before we get into our draft segment. The Jets gone car shopping. Woody Johnson <laughs> wants something new and shiny to put into his garage of his 17th beach house. And uh, it, it looks like Derek Carr is going to be first in line to get that opportunity. He was obviously released from the Raiders a few weeks ago and took a first formal official free agent visit he was a member of the Raiders when he visited with the Saints so now official free agent visit he is the first one uh Jets are the first one on his list excuse me Glenn I know you've been a big uh let's go get car supporter and advocate I've kind of been on the fence I can see it I don't necessarily put my eggs in that basket yet I want to wait until Roger's decision but I can see the path that it goes um, before I kick it to you, Glenn, we'll ask Dom. Dom, what are your thoughts on Derek Carr and his visit with the Jets? I mean, listen, he, he's going to do his due diligence and he's going to take all these visits. You know, I, I think you believe half of what you hear and, and, and probably 60 percent of what you're seeing. And we're not seeing much, you know, that's that's really happening behind the scenes. Um, if you're asking me my opinion, like I said, I, I you know, I, I like the idea of Aaron Rodgers leading our offense a little bit better than the idea of Derek Carr. But I also like the idea of securing someone who you feel comfortable with more so than dragging something out for option A to just fizzle, you know? And, and it looks more and more like, you know, a week ago, two weeks ago, I would have told you that, like, you know, I, I bet I push all my chips in that Aaron Rodgers was going to be a jet. And, and as we get closer now, 
you know, I don't know if I'm ready to to make that move and push all those chips in. So um, I have him as one A and one B, and I, I think Rogers um, would be my one A. Um, I don't like all the nonsense that would come with Rogers. I also don't like the idea of giving up compensation. I'm not afraid to give up compensation, but I'm not a but I'm not a fan of giving up compensation for a one for one year of Aaron Rodgers. So I I think you'd have to have some sort of commitment. And and frankly, I just don't know if you're we're going to get that from Aaron Rodgers, you know, um, Derek Carr's, uh, a good player, you know, um, you know, probably a top 12, top, top 15 quarterback at the absolute worst. And, um, I think he could function well with the, you know, with the skills, um, with the skill sets that he has and the assets that we have on offense, you know, I, I think it could be a good match. So, uh, I'm moving more towards the idea of, let's just lock down Derek Carr and, and let Aaron Rodgers sit there in the dark and, and you know, we're out of the dark now and figure out what he wants to do. Glenn, your thoughts? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, obviously I've said all along, I would prefer a car. Um, I, I can't stand the idea. You know, I've, I've seen this team make enough bad mistakes. I could see them, you know, I, I don't know how I deal with them giving up premium picks for a guy who plays one year, um, which is a possibility. Um, you know, you mentioned getting a commitment from Aaron Rodgers, but at the same time, a year ago, he gave the Packers a three-year commitment at $150 million, And now here they are, you know, he's saying, well, maybe I don't want to be here after all. And look at what the Packers, you know, they, they have, they've been in a long-term relationship. Um, you know, he's just flirting with the Jets. He's got zero loyalty, zero commitment, zero reason to be honest or care. Um, and that's not just Aaron Rodgers. That's just pro athletes in general. Um, so I don't, and even, you know, what's the most he's going to commit to at this point, two years? Um and how much does that commitment weigh? So I, I would, I mean, you'd be crazy not to be excited to have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Um, but to me, oh, I'm surprised at how many. Uh, I see a lot of folks treat it like it's a no-brainer. Like, oh, Aaron's better, so why is this even a question? Well, it's a question because I don't want to give up ones, and I don't want to only have him for one year. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be looking for a quarterback again 12 months from now, and no first-round pick to use on getting one because maybe the Packers get next year's one. Um, and as I said to Dylan, when this kind of started, I'm not looking at it as just, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr. I'm looking at it as Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr and Peter Skaronsky, you know, and, you know, I'm going to have those guys for minimum five years, whereas mm-hmm. I might get Aaron Rodgers for one. Um, and uh, to say it's to say it's cut and dry, I, I can't I can understand like you can argue both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, what I can understand is like the oh, my God, I can't believe people are suggesting Derek Carr instead of Aaron Rodgers. I can't believe people are suggesting first round picks for a one year rental. Yeah. Yeah. That's Potential. Right. fair point. Potential one year rental. Yeah. Right. And I think that uh, there's so many question marks that have to go into Rogers. Obviously it was reported that Wednesday he came out of the, the darkness retreat and he's supposedly going to meet with the Packers. Um, according to Diana Rossini, she said that Aaron Rodgers will be the first domino as far as the quarterback to fall this offseason and I've yeah. I kind of maintained that stance I said that a couple weeks back on this podcast that it's in everybody's best interest quarterbacks teams let him set just wait on Aaron Rodgers yep. to make his decision because Derek Carr could go out and I think there I saw a number reported 35 million or more a year that doesn't necessarily mean 35 is the number to get Derek Carr in the door but if somebody signs like a Daniel Jones, even for 42, 43, 45 million, like he wants from the giants, Derek Carr's value just went up. So I feel like everybody's best interest was to wait on Rogers originally. And now that it seems like all the the timelines are intersecting, you have Rogers out now about to make a decision. Carr is now meeting with teams. 
the Jets aren't the only team he's going to meet with. He's going to meet with other teams. I'm maybe the Panthers. I think he'll go again with the Saints if that's the actual destination. So I'm not surprised that the Jets were one of the teams on his list. It does mm-hmm. make me a little nervous that he was the, that they were the first team on the list because as we've seen, like the Kirk Cousins thing, like the Jets were just used the entire way to just drive up the price for Kirk Cousins, and it was never really an actual destination for him. And I'm not saying that's the case with Derek Carr. I hope it's not because I want any quarterback that's above average to want to be on the Jets. I feel like they have the roster that's built now, rookie contracts throughout the entire roster, but you also have those aging veterans that if they do come back, like a Mosley, a, a Dwayne Brown, you know, you got other positions here and there. Your offensive line is pretty old. If if they come back, like they want to win. It's not a matter of, okay, we'll take a couple years. So yeah. between Rodgers, Carr, obviously Lamar Jackson, if that keeps turning south, I feel like it's not going to happen for the Jets. But those guys have to be on your list, and, and you should be happy with all three. I feel like there's levels of happiness with all of them, obviously. But Derek Carr is certainly somebody I could see winning with the Jets. I, I'm going to press the brakes on uh, – uh, the first ballot hall of fame talk that they were, you know, <laughs> you know, enticing him with, because I feel like that's just what they're going to do on a free agent visit. That's it's, like, it's, you know, it's a, fir- it's a first date. Oh, your, yeah, your, exactly. hair, looks, your hair looks amazing. Right. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're laying it all out on the table. You're trying to get that second date. You're trying to commit. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're, and, and that's what they should do. I feel like a team that's this desperate should do this for a quarterback because that's what they need. Also, Derek Carr's camp is smart enough to know that we're desperate and that we're going to possibly overpay or however, you know, come in with a higher offer than the next team. So Mm -hmm. I'm in wait and see on all of it. I've kind of just dialed back on the getting angry at all the reports that come out because at the end of the day, Roger said it, nobody knows shit. Nobody knows what's going on until it's actually happening with Carr, with Rogers. Nobody even knew when he was leaving New York, when he was on the visit. So it's just all up in the air. And I feel like everybody needs to just relax take the takes, you know, put them on the back burner for a little bit until news actually happens. And let's actually enjoy the draft process because no matter who the quarterback is, this team is ready to win. And you're looking at double digit wins with Carr, Rogers, Lamar, any of them. So let's just focus on the rest of the team and and take a step back from the quarterbacks is my advice, especially on Twitter. Uh, Yeah. um, And and the other options here, like I'm seeing in the chat, someone is mentioning, you know, go get, go get Garoppolo, go get Tannehill. I am all mm-hmm. out on 30, 40 million dollar year guys with injury issues. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill just missed a huge chunk of the season with a significant injury, and he's what 34, 35. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo can't play a full season. <laughs> I've again that that might be I just said I can't understand people that are like won't consider giving up a one for a one year rental. I'm even more confused about people who want to give up you know, again, 30, 40 million, as we've talked about Lamar Jackson, I see people saying, give up two ones and 50 million a year. I'm like the guy missed 11 of his last 25 games. Like that, that is how that to me, like people talk about how people are, you know, your job is at risk and blah, blah, blah. That's getting you fired quicker than anything. Well, Woody, you see, we brought in this guy who got injured last year. Oh, and the year before that, and he just got injured again. And we have no first round picks. And by the way, we own like 58 million this year. Great. There's there's the door like that. That's too high of a risk when when you consider what's at stake. And I'm just I am 100 percent out on guys with significant injury histories when you're talking about this type of money. You want to draft a guy with some injuries in the fourth or fifth round as a gamble. Fine. You want to sign a free agent makes eight, nine million as a backup or fringe starter with some injuries. Fine. Thirty, forty five million. Get get the hell out of here. I'm not doing it. Yeah, if all things are equal, and just say you know, we'll talk to big three. I, I, I personally, and this is my opinion. I don't think Tannehill is that 
really that good. You know, he 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 is he is just you know barely average at the position. So let's just talk about the big three and Lamar and Aaron and, and Derek Carr. And if all things were equal, you know, you you can yeah. make you can make an argument for any single one of them and 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 win. But that's the thing is that all things aren't equal. You know, exactly. The, the, Lamar's fifty plus million, probably guaranteed, probably three first round picks, if not more capital. Right. I was yeah. on a show. I was on a show actually. Um, I was asked to drop in and I didn't. There was a Buffalo, I mean, a Baltimore content creator. And he said that, you know, uh, Atlanta was poking and prodding, you know, I guess reached out to Baltimore and, and asked for, you know, you know, what the cost was going to be. And they were asking for AJ Terrell and three first rounders plus another starting caliber player. That's who, yeah. that's where he said the starting point was. So yeah, he said, if it crazy. was, a, he said, if it was the Jets, you're talking, you know, first rounder in 23, 24, 25. I mean, so if all things are equal, like first, uh, he, he's not going to, he's not going to be free of that tag. I think he's going to end up in Baltimore, yeah. but if all things are equal, you know, yeah, you can make an argument. Yeah. Lamar's the, you know, he, he he's got the highest ceiling. He's, he's the youngest, you know, you're going to get the most out of him, so on and so forth, but all things aren't equal on these, on these three. And that's well, the same thing with Carr and Rogers, you know? Well, the, yeah. you know, you, you say that, and that's one of the things I've mentioned with Dylan in terms of all things not being equal, all teams aren't equal. And so yeah. I, you know, to some people who have heard me talk about this specific issue in the past, they might say I'm somewhat of a hypocrite because I always kind of throw water on it. But again, not all teams. We're talking about the Ravens. Like Harbaugh is one of the most respected guys in the league. Sure. And whenever I like people say all every offseason, you get these fans who were like, why are we chasing free agents and getting a guy that their own team didn't want? I'm like, look, sometimes teams make mistakes. Sometimes guys don't fit whatever reason that you're talking about a franchise quarterback on a highly respected organization. They've had him in their building his whole career. They've looked at his medicals. They've watched his film and they're like, this is what you're worth. And we're not paying you more. And they're probably giving him a little more than they think he's worth to get, to keep him in that building. And even they're saying no. Like this isn't this isn't the Browns throwing somebody away. This isn't. Yeah. Let's be honest. Some of the past Jets teams throwing someone away, where you can be like, who gives a damn what Mike McCagnan thinks? Who? What? He's not a talent evaluator. And you can say, let's sign this guy. The Ravens again are a respected organization, and they've sure. got the guy. If they're like there are there are a handful of teams like the Steelers. If the Steelers are letting a guy go to a degree, if the Patriots are letting a guy go, I'm like, what do they know about this guy? Like, this mm -hmm. is a good franchise that's letting a player go. So that's another part of it is that you know why the Packers are willing to let Rodgers go. We don't know that he's going. They've got a first round kid. They got to get something out of. How many more years are you going to get out of Aaron Rodgers? Do you throw away an opportunity to look at Jordan Love to get one more year of Aaron Rodgers? That's yeah. not worth it. Um, yeah. You know, we know why these other guys are available. For Lamar, he's just too damn good. He brings too much. And I'll just mention real quick, Dylan, as I mentioned in the past, because I heard the argument with Keyshawn the other day on First Take or whatever show. Not First Take. I don't know what Keyshawn does. He was like with Mad Dog. Oh, and, you know, yeah. And, and they're yeah. arguing about, is he worth this money? And and Keyshawn's just kind of like, you know, flippantly like, oh, of course, injuries are a concern with every player. Right. Yeah. But more so with some players than others. And sure. when you're coming off consecutive season-ending injuries, you're a bigger concern than Derek Carr who hasn't right. had durability issues. So to just pretend that every single player's injury concern is exactly the same is so like, it's so uh, and listen, He's a former player, players, current, former, future. They you, know what, you know what players want? Players want players to get paid. They That's don't right. give a damn. Yeah. They, if you want to give a backup, a hundred million, a player will advocate. 
You don't sure. go to a player to say, should we pay this guy a bunch of money? They just want each other to get max dollars every time, no matter what. Yeah. yeah. And for what it's worth, I mean, that Mad Dog and Keyshawn argument, I, I didn't agree with either side. I just I uh, disagreed more with Mad Dog's side because all he kept saying was Lamar didn't play well in his three playoff losses. And I'm like, OK, that's right. fine. It's such a small sample size. But he did throw for 300 yards and had like multiple rushing touchdowns yeah. in another game. So and I, but it's just it's not all things are created equal. Like you guys have both said, that's, it's just the Jets. That, need that's to what figure I out, get. Yeah, yeah. The Jets need to figure out the best plan for them. And each quarterback also needs to figure out the best plan for them. Um, Derek Carr eventually, you know, is going to decide he might not, like we've talked about, he might want warmer weather. He might want a dome. He might want whatever it is. So he might, I, I, I see, I, my concern is he wants an easier route to the playoffs than going through Josh and, Allen. And that's I the NFC that, South. That, exactly, that would be the NFC exactly. South. I see a question in here from Billy. We'll throw this one in here. Is Carr worth the two or three starters that we could sign with the money we save by not signing him? And then he says, uh, 40 million a season in another comment. And I'm not saying that that is what the price will be or what his cap hit will be. But I think that comes into question with almost every quarterback. If you have a quarterback well, on a high price tag, I know the, the Rogers deal, it's something around 15 million for just 2023. Yeah. So it's, it's manageable for just this year, but like it's going to increase every other year after that. So I feel like it's just a question with all quarterbacks, who are you giving up to sign? So like I mean, you said, would you Sorry, rather have Aaron Rodgers or Skaronsky and Carr? I, I would take the draft picks totally. Um, maybe you could argue the other way. Do you want Rodgers and a free agent over Derek Carr? And that's fine too. But I feel like it's just it's going to be the question no matter who the quarterback is. And 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 I need to know who the two or three players are. Like not all starters. Are exactly. That good. Some guys yeah, exactly. get overpaid. Like if you know you can't expect Joe Douglas to have another draft like he just did because that was incredible. But yeah. if he finds you if he finds you three starters you know, or, and, and one or two more in free agency, like, especially, you know, of the, of the rookie variety, they're going to be cheap guys. Like you're going to have guys on your roster who start, yeah. who aren't very good. Now, if you can give me names, if you're going to tell me that Derek Carr is going to cost you, you know, being able to resign Quinn and Williams. Well, now, now maybe that's a conversation, but really that's just poor cat For management. Sure. If, if yeah. you're in that situation, you shouldn't be there, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a, I get the question, but who are the starters and what are they making? And and, right. and to the point to dovetail on that, like you know, forty million for Carr is crazy. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's the price of a quarterback, and unfortunately, that's the cost of doing business when you miss on Zach. You know, the plan you was miss on everyone. To, yeah, yeah, the the plan was to work off of the rookie. You know, the the idea was we'd be have Zach in. You know, you know, kind of in second, third gear right now in, in year three, only making whatever he's making eight million dollars, and you don't have to worry about. You, you have an extra 40 million or 32 million right there to play with that you don't have to spend on the quarterback. But, you know, you, you got to pivot. You know, that's not yeah. working. That didn't work and you have to pivot. So this is the cost of doing business. You know, the, the cost of bringing in a guy like a Derek Carr or, you know, uh, an Aaron Rodgers or, or a Tannehill or a Jimmy G or something like that is going to cost us, you know, guys that we all have grown to, you know, feel warm and comfortable with and like, you know, whether it's Quincy, whether it's Quan, whether it's, you know, whomever, you know, Corey mm -hmm. Davis, uh, Carl Lawson, you know, they might be the cost of doing business of missing on, on quarterback at number two overall. Yep. Yeah. And all roads lead back to Zach Wilson being a bust and Joe Douglas completely missing on that pick just at the position in general, it seems like. Um, yeah. I did want to push back, Glenn. You did mention Tannehill's price. I do believe, and I, I'm not 100% on this, but from what I've read, if you trade for him, 
you're uh, inheriting his contract, and it's in the high 20s just for uh, this year. So, I mean, it's lower than what others would cost. I'm not saying it's and, and, and that's if you trade. That's if exactly. They and make your bidding. Just, yeah. If they sign a quarterback, say Aaron Rodgers goes to Tennessee, now right. they don't want Ryan Tannehill. Are they just going to cut him out right? And now we have a Derek Carr all over again situation, and, basically. And, right. And we just talked about the NFC South. Like, whoever loses out on the guys out there, that's two or three teams that will probably be bidding for Tannehill. So it's yeah. not as if you're going to get him for 18 million on the cheap. Like you're going to have to pay. And you know, someone says there he's not injury prone. I don't. If I said he was injury prone, that wasn't what I meant. I'm saying coming off of a, an injury that knocked him mm-hmm. out for the rest of the season. Yeah. And again, as uh, back to the all things aren't equal. He's an older guy. If he was 25, yeah. 26 with no injury history and he missed five games, like all right, I'll live with that. Oh, but he's mm-hmm. 34, 35, and he missed. It's like okay, that that changes things a little bit. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I think the best way to put it is we got to like, I'll maintain. You just got to hope that the Jets get whoever they push and want the most. If it's Derek Carr, let's just hope that they land him. If it's actually Aaron Rodgers, I feel like that's more what he's doing. Then let's hope they get Aaron Rodgers or whoever it is. Just hope that it's the guy they want so that they don't feel like they're settling and going into the year with, you know, a little bit of fire under their ass because the seat is a little hot already because they didn't get their guy. I, I would even say hope they get the guy that they not not publicly. Of course, publicly they're going to say they can win. But yeah. if they if they believe they can win with two or three of those guys, get one of those guys. Yeah. Get a guy that you believe can get you a ring. Because yeah. I you know I've made from from the time this started, I keep comparing Carr to to um to Matthew Stafford, and I saw someone tweet out their stats the other day. They're damn near identical. You know yeah. Stafford's pre Rams numbers to Carr's numbers with the Raiders. I mean. He, he's basically a high-level QB who's been on bad teams. Yep. Which is what Stafford was. Sure. Yep, that's pretty much the same bucket I'd put them in. And if we're being honest, I'd take Derek Carr nine times out of ten, maybe ten times out of ten over Matthew Stafford going into 2023. So yeah. that's a good perspective on it for sure. We can table the quarterback talk. I, I feel like by the time we come on live next week, Glenn, we'll have an answer. I don't know. I just have this strange feeling that this is the final I, week of yeah, it. Yeah. Your mouth just, to God's it's, ears. It's got to come to an end. I mean, I feel like free agency right around the corner. March 1st, I just have been circling that in my head. Like, that's going to be the day somebody signs. So, yeah. but we can only hope at this point. But yeah, moving on to the topic. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was, was going to say, I did hear that Carl wanted to wrap it up by the start of free agency because he wants to yeah. do some recruiting wherever he signs. Yes. And and they should, that's exactly why I have kind of before free agency circled. It's like those guys that are yeah. available now, like the Rogers and the cars and possibly the Lamars get, get on a team now and go recruit, go help teams and get better in the off season because people are going to follow any quarterback that comes here because we'll just be that much more attractive. Yeah. Well, I, before we get into the, the mm-hmm. next segment though, if that's the case, if Carr wants to move faster, this like, you know, in the next week or so, I mean, New Orleans isn't going to be an option. They're not under the cap yet, are they? I mean, they, they're probably they're trying, 30, but I don't know if 30 and 40 million over. I heard they made some mm-hmm. moves the other day to get sort of where they're at the cap. But Ramchick, you know, yeah. Still, still well, Ramchick, I know. That. Yeah. Hey, wherever they are, they're not 40 the million. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, yeah. they're not close yet. You know, yeah. They're so. doing, they're making some moves and they're restructuring and they're, you know, uh, whatever they're doing, kicking the can down the road like only New Orleans, you know, does so well. But right. they're still 40 million over, you know? Yeah. And it just, I just was reminded that the Raiders were reported that they are not going to pursue Aaron Rodgers. Not exactly sure if that's 100% factual or not, but yeah. that was the report that happened about an hour before we went live. So that could just eliminate another team, making yeah. it all that much easier for the Jets to just go get their damn guy. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, the majority of Aaron Rodgers' money this year is all front loaded. It's all that bonus stuff. And, and yeah. 
You know, it's a lot on Woody Las, instead Las, of yeah. Las Vegas yeah. is cash poor. You know, it's just not mm-hmm. you know, that. Yeah, that's not, that's another factor for them. Yeah. yeah, so it makes sense that they're out. Yeah. All right, now we're getting into the draft talk of the evening. Yes. We're at the halfway point of the show. Pretty much exactly halfway, 31 minutes. That's pretty good for, for Glenn and I, who like to go a little bit overboard. Um, our, our discussion tonight, like I mentioned at the top, our offensive guys, um, Dom being our guest, I'm going to let you go first. We're going to start quarterback and work our way down. Um, we're going to let you go first. Obviously, the listeners have heard our talking points on our our um, the guys that we're pounding the table for. So we're just going to be, you know, solidifying those, you know, the love for those guys. But it'll be nice to get your feedback, your guys thrown into the mix for us to piggyback off of. So we're going to kick it right off with quarterback talk and you have the floor. So do you want like, you know, how I have them ranked or guys that, you know, just guys so, in the group that catch my eye? Yeah. Just, so yeah, it throw, could be a top a guy, a mid tier guy. Yeah, yeah. It could be any yeah, guy I'm, that you, that you think you've liked more maybe than the consensus or guys that you would pound the table for. If you were in one of those war rooms, just it's free open-ended, just guys that you liked or that guys you're intrigued about. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, obviously uh, I, I love the talent and, and the quarterback this year's quarterback, crop is is very very peculiar to me like you know i i like the talent of the top four guys but i don't really i'm not in love with any of them you know i I gotta say that you know probably my number one quarterback in this class and i go back and forth with all the time i'm probably leaning cj stroud right now um i think that she i think that cj stroud um you know even though he might not have the same ceiling as some of the other guys, especially a guy like AR or, or Bryce young. I think what he brings, you know, in, in big pressure situations is, is something that's going to translate. Well, I think his game translate translates the best um, out of all, all the prospects in the draft. You know, I, I really like the, the, I really like what he has on his deep ball. You know, he's mobile enough, although he's not a mobile quarterback, he's mobile enough to get, you know, get out of the pocket. Um, you know, like I said, the big and he rises to the occasion in the biggest game. So mm-hmm. that that's probably he's probably going to end up being my my QB one. You know, I, I'm just you know I, I've never been one who's you know uh, metric based or, or analytical based in in regards to height, weight, you know, length, and so on and so forth. But I got to say, you know, Bryce Young as talented as he is. Um, He's gonna he's gonna be 190 pounds, 180 pounds, or something like that. There's never been anyone at the quarterback position that you know that small. So I think that's a concern, you know. Um, and, and Will Levis has all you know. He, he pro ready. He's probably the most pro ready. But when you watch him on film, you know, I I, I eerily see you know not in their skill set or not in their production, but the one thing I see from Will Levis that just really drives me down is. Um, his lack of awareness on the, you know, on the field. So when, when, when it comes down to it, you know, I, I think I'm going to hang my hat on C on CJ Stroud as my number one overall quarterback in this pit, in this draft. Glenn, I'm going to have you go second and then I'll, I'll finish off all the, the positional discussion. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, you know, I'll, I'll try to, uh, throw in a couple names here today that we haven't mentioned during the season. Mm-hmm. Cause we have gone over quite a few. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other day I was watching, um, who was it? I was watching Minnesota and uh, I came away pretty impressed with Tanner Morgan. Like I've, I've yeah. watched a little bit of him, not, not a great deal, but he was, um, he did a really nice job of getting the ball out in a hurry. He was accurate. Almost a lot of the, you know, I, I've talked a lot about how much I like Jake Hayner, 
Um, yeah. And he kind of reminded me of him. He was hanging tough in the pocket. I think that's something, you know, we're always aware of as fans, but after these, especially this last year of Zach Wilson, like I'm acutely tuned in to guys who hang in the pocket and make throws because I think that was something I missed with Wilson when I liked him so much um, and, and saw Morgan do it several times. Um, saw Stroud actually on a couple of those throws that we just posted. And, yep. and that's, that's something that I'm looking at now with guys. And like I said, the ball was coming out quickly um, and he quickly on target, hitting guys in stride. So um, he's a quarterback that I hadn't mentioned prior. Of course, Hayner has been my guy since, you know, middle of last season. I think it was the first time I mentioned him. Mm-hmm. And then week and then week one this year. Um, I think, you know, senior bowl, he probably made himself a fourth, maybe a third round or not much more than that. Uh, Morgan won't go very high if, he, you know, probably day three pick. But, um, you know, these are some of the guys that aren't getting a lot of a lot of hoopla who I think could find their way onto a roster. Yeah. But I, yeah. I I think the same about Hayner. I'm sorry, Dylan. I didn't mean no, to cut it. I didn't mean to cut in. No, um, I think I think Hayner is, you know, I I I like what you what you said about him. I think he made himself a little bit more money in the Senior Bowl. Like, all right, he took home the Senior Bowl MVP, so on and so forth. But um, he was, I thought, you know, and Dylan, you know, Dylan can interject. I thought he was the best of what was a very very mediocre group of quarterbacks at the mm-hmm. Senior Bowl. Um, and, you know, the, some of the throws that he made, you know, um, I was, you know, you, you were content with, you know, like I, I was happy. I said, hey, you know, he got that one across from the far hash, you know, to the sideline. It had some zip on it, so on and so forth. Um, you know, and then I, as I dove into his game stuff, you know, I didn't see the stuff. I didn't see the same, you know, the same zip and, and you know, the same composure. Now, you know, game, you know, a regular game and a practice, obviously, you know, you got to weigh that, you know, uh, in and out. So. I'm kind of torn on a guy like Hayner, but like you said, fourth round pick, you know, you get a guy, you you hope he becomes a backup with something more down the road. You know, I don't think that's, uh, you know, I don't think that's too far off of a, a, you know, of a shot. Yeah. And he's, he's got plenty of arm. He does like you just saw right there on that clip. He does a good job of leading his receivers and he's, I think he's a quality player. You know, he's not, he's not, uh, he's not getting mentioned with the big names, but it's been nice, you know, because like I said, we've talked about him all year and, Sort of as the year has gone on, I've seen a few, you know, former players, analysts who have really kind of sung his praises as, you know, as we're saying, a guy who hasn't gotten enough credit. Now he is. He went to the Senior Bowl, impressed a lot of people, and now his name is out there. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think he's just a a steadying force just all around. He's got a good base. He's got good decision making. Nothing is really going to like wow you or blow you away. But that's kind of to be expected with especially the crop of Senior Bowl quarterbacks. Um, I'm glad that that you, Dom, mentioned C.J. Stroud. Uh, this we did never talked about quarterbacks before, but CJ Stroud yeah. coming into the season was my quarterback one, just slightly over Bryce Young. I do think size and durability will could potentially be an issue for him, but the, the, you mentioned it, Glenn. Standing in and taking hits in the pocket is something that CJ Stroud and Bryce Young both do very well. Um, I think CJ Stroud in that Georgia game kind of answered a ton of questions that I had about him in terms of using his legs a little bit more. Um, just kind of in the face of pressure, what does he do? And I feel like he answered the the questions pretty well just in that one-game sample size. Obviously, it's a, a one-game sample size, but it was against the back-to-back national champions with uh, elite defense. Yeah. So I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if C.J. Stroud ended up as my number one quarterback as well. But Bryce Young, I feel like, is just getting that love. And then, of course, you mentioned Will Levis. He's going to be in there as well. I mean, my hope is that all four – him all three and then Richardson go before 13 to make the Jets, you know, field of players better. Sure. But in, in terms of the middle round guys too, I liked Hayner. I thought, you know, 
early day three, maybe fifth round pick, fourth round pick for that guy. And that's fine. He's a developmental guy. That's cool. We'll probably need one depending on the quarterback option we choose. But other than the senior bowl guys, I'd really just, I haven't watched enough of the, the middle tier quarterbacks. I do like Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA. I think his skill set's a little different, but he is a really strong passer. JT O'Sullivan of the QB school broke down his tape, I believe last summer when he was possibly going to come out for the 2022 draft and he ended up going back. And I liked what I saw. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and like say I've studied him on tape in depth, but from what I've heard and what I've seen on those those videos from JT O'Sullivan, Dorian has the the skill set to definitely be a quarterback. That's you know like a maybe an Anthony Richardson light potentially. I'm not mm. quite sure, but that's a guy that's on my radar. I'm really excited. I believe he's one of the main quarterbacks throwing at the combine. So it's always fun to watch the quarterbacks throw in their underwear. Yeah. Hopefully the Jets don't <laughs> fall in love with the quarterback in their underwear again, but. Yeah. You know, Dorian Thompson Robinson is one that I'm I'm looking to watch at quarterback. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to transition, you know, if, if his game is going to transition well in the next level. As a matter of fact, I heard, you know, grumblings that he could he could be one of those quarterbacks that tries to make the NFL with a position change. I don't know what it'd be if oh, wow. a wide receiver and so on and so forth. Um, I that's just me. He, you know, he's he's athletic, you know, he's got the athletic mm-hmm. profile, but um, I, you know, like you, Dylan. Quarterback is probably the one position where this year, especially, I haven't delved into as deep. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's probably just Jets bias. You know what I mean? Um, I just, ha- I, I just haven't, you know, I, I haven't really engulfed myself too, too much with some of these guys. So, you know, I, I know, you know, Robinson himself, great athlete. I don't know how, you know, I don't know how much of the chops he has to ha- how it translates the next level. You know, and that, yeah, that's right. my feeling. Mm-hmm. That's my feeling too. Um, before we move on to the positions with uh, Anthony Richardson, you know, I'm a Florida mm-hmm. fan. I married into a university of Florida family. You know, I watched the, he's one of the guys I really watch and, you know, he's got, you know, his athletic profile, like I said, is through the roof and, you know, he, he does things in the pocket with his legs um, that are going to make you wow. He's got a howitzer on his arm, you know what I mean? But he's still, you know, when, when push comes to shove, um, he's got happy feet. You know, so in a, in a clean pocket, he's hopping around, hopping around, hopping around. So his arm is strong, but he's not getting everything. He's not throwing the ball with the velocity that he can or he should. And he just misses too many of the easy ones. You know, I think he's got like a 54 percent completion percentage like that. that yeah. All that stuff can miss me, you know, on Anthony mm-hmm. Richardson, you know. Yeah, I, I think the top four quarterbacks in free agency and the top four quarterbacks in the draft all have great things about them, but they all come with great question marks as well. So it's very interesting year for both free agent and rookie class of quarterbacks to, to be in this situation. Yeah, uh, we can move on to running backs now. Uh, who you got, Dom, at the running back position? Um, well, I mean, I, I I think Bijan is on a tier all by himself. I don't need to talk about him, but a guy that re- I do really like is the kid from UCLA, Zach Charbonnet. Um, he's mm-hmm. big, he's big, he's fast. Um, I like the fact how he's a, you know, he can handle inside and outside the guys, you know, got good contact balance, always pushing forward. Um, you know, he's, he's a, he's a weapon in the pass game. Um, and like I said, he, you know, he, he's big enough that he can play physical, but you know, on the same token, he's got that good vision and, and agility to kind of make moves when he have. I really liked him last year. I thought he was going, you know, I, I thought he could have been, um, you know, probably a second round pick last year, but he came back mm-hmm. and there he is. He's built like 
the running back that, you know, that, that I want, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. You know, sure. Does he, you know, it, I think he's a weapon in the past game. He doesn't have the best hands in the class, but I think he can, you know, he be utilized, but what he can do, you know, both inside and outside um, and, you know, with, with being a bruiser with good contact balance. I love guys that when they get hit, they're always falling forward. Right. You know, so he attacks, you know, he attacks the hole and he goes and boom. And there he is. Nice cut back. One step yeah. and go right there. You know, yeah, so he, it's it. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's funny you mentioned him because when you guys were talking about uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, I almost said I've watched a ton of him because I love Zach Charbonnet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Charbonnet yeah. was my my the top guy I was talking to people about last year when I thought he was coming out, same yeah. as you just said. Yeah. Um, so And he, he followed that up with a, another monster year this year. And it, his to me, his biggest attribute is what you've already mentioned, the contact balance, like the way how that guy's able to stay up with some of the hits he takes and keep moving yeah. forward. Um. The, the the one thing you said though about loving the way he's built, I, I agree. But it, is that what the Jets are looking for? No, um, no, no. Question, you know, I, yeah. and, and just from a Jets perspective, and that, that's why I kind of there are these players that we fall in love with, but you look at it and go, ah, uh, but he's probably not a Jets fit, you know. But but I think uh, I think he's a, a fantastic back, very underrated back, and I think he's actually, yeah. I think he's kind of some people have started to talk about him as an early rounder. But yeah, I was I was sending clips of him to friends last season, going, yeah. "If this guy comes out this year, they you know the Jets should grab him." Um, yeah, great call on him. Yep, Charbonnet was one of the very first running backs we talked about on this podcast, so definitely a good one to to get in there. Yeah, who you got, Glenn? Uh, again, another guy who uh, again I don't think is going to fit what the Jets are looking for, but another sort of bigger a, a power back. You know those guys those guys don't seem to be as in vogue as they once were. But um, and I think he was I think he was down in uh, in Mobile as, as too, as a matter of fact. Um, uh, at Appalachian State running back Cam Peoples, mm-hmm. big yes. dude. Um, you know, a, a load to bring down, and uh, he, he's a guy who people are haven't been talking enough about, as far as I'm concerned. I think that he's he's a bruiser, runs up the middle. Um, my one concern with him, and it it did show up in Mobile. Like the one thing I was looking for was to see how well he caught the ball out of the backfield, and we saw he had a couple of drops. Um, in the senior ball, in the actual game, he did have one catch. It was a fantastic catch. So you kind of think, all right, maybe the guy can, you know, maybe he can catch the ball, but uh, we didn't see him do it as much as we would have liked. Um, like I said, that was my my one big question with him. And of course, you know, we, we've we talked a lot this season about, uh, or at least I feel like we have, um, Deuce Vaughn, who is, mm-hmm. you know, the undersized guy who you, you just wonder, is he big enough to make it in the league? Um, but other guys have, you know, not, you don't see it a lot. Um, but Deuce Vaughn and Deuce Vaughn, you know, he'll be a late round pick because of his size. He, even if he does make it in the league, you're not going to see him get a ton of carries. Um, and a guy, I think I mentioned his name a little bit ago when I, when I talked about Minnesota is, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim. Yeah. He's, he's another oh, one yeah. of those guys. He's that, a bruiser. Uh, he's a yeah, bruiser. That guy, yeah. He, Ibrahim, he's yeah. one of those guys that just welcomes contact, but he's, a, he, you know, he can cut, make guys miss, catches the ball well out of the backfield. Um, does a nice job from what I've seen in pass pro. Uh, you know, a couple times during the year, Dylan, I've mentioned players and Charbon. I think Charbonnet might be the first time I talked about this. Guys who I loved last year, and you're so busy watching guys this year, you kind of forget about them. Yeah, yep. you know, it was probably it was probably like week four or five this year when I was like, oh god, what's Zach Charbonnet up to? You know, it's like because killing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a one man show. Like I, I I can't watch 500 prospects every weekend, and there are guys that slip through the cracks. Yeah. You know, like Charbonnet Flowers was another one. Zay Flowers, a guy who I mm-hmm. loved last year, probably didn't mention him till week five or six this year as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, these are these are some some good players, man. 
And, yeah, the, and, yeah. and Ibrahim is one of those for me. I liked him a lot last year. Completely forgot about until like late in the season when I was watching uh, John Michael Schmitz. And I was like, damn, I forgot how much I liked Ibrahim. Yeah. So Ibrahim's a, an interesting one because just like you, Glenn, he was a guy on my radar for a while. Um, and I think he'll have a role in, in the NFL, but, you know, he's just limited athletically. You know what I mean? He, he His athletic ceiling is not that high. He's he's going, you know, he's a big guy. He's probably going to be a, a, a short yardage or, you know, your 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 thumper, if you will. Um, I don't know. Your lunch pail guy. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he could still hit it one cut and go. But, I mean, the long speed's not there. You know, the, the overall athleticism is not there. But, you know, you need to, you know, short yardage. You need to pick up some, you know, some, some tough yardage. Ibrahim's a guy that, you know, you can turn around and you know you're going to get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And back to um, Cameron Peoples from Appalachian State. He was at the Senior Bowl, like you said. He <laughs> had the longest arms and wingspan of running backs, 33-inch arms and 78 and 78 wingspan, which is a good inch above the next highest person. So when you when you watched him at practice, the, the length definitely stood out. Mm-hmm. Um my guys, uh, I had a top tier guy, Jameer Gibbs. Obviously, we don't need to gloss over, or, you know, we can gloss over him, kind of like Bijan. He's going to be one of those top guys, probably very early second round guys, super athletic. I don't agree with the Alvin Kamara comps, but um, they're out there. I don't really subscribe to them, but Jameer Gibbs is going to be a special player. Mm-hmm. Uh, senior Bowl guy, Tajay Spears from Tulane. I've talked about him. He impressed at the Senior Bowl. He had. Every, you know, offensive player wowing on his 60-yard run to end the one practice. So I think he's going to be somebody fun. I don't know exactly how he'll – if he would fit in the the Jets running back room. I don't really care because he's so fun to watch. And then another guy who's just uh, kind of like Deuce Vaughn, very small. He's not big like Deuce Vaughn, though, and that's Devon A-Chain uh, from mm. Texas A&M. He's 5'9", 185. Yeah, so it just burner track yeah, guy, and yeah. I feel like all off season long I'm going to be looking for that Braxton Berrios replacement, and Devon A Chain with his track background can certainly be that at a, a low cost. You know, I feel like he's going to go in day two, which is a little rich for my blood for him. But if he slips into day three and he's there in the fourth or even the fifth round, here he is here on a kick return. You got to go get this guy. Like yeah. this is this is Braxton Berrios all pro version at the highest level oh, like when he hits his ceiling. So I think he's a fun player, but running backs, it's kind of tough. We have a loaded room and I don't know who you're taking away to add one of these guys in a capacity that's actually going to be impactful for 2023, but it is fun. This crop in is deep and they're very fun. They're all different flavors. And I like, I like Devon a chain as my smaller secret guy. Yeah. A chain's like a, I mean, he's going to run sub four, three. Easy, oh, yeah. you know, easy sub four three. So that alone is going to boost him, you know, right up the, you know, right up the charts or somebody, somebody's going to take a, you know, take a stab. I, I, you know, his body's not going to, not going to withhold. I mean, he's, he's not a, he's not a three down back, obviously, no. but you know, um, he's going to do something just like, Oh my God, why am I drawing blank? Who's the kid who was in Indianapolis just got traded to Buffalo? Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines. Yeah. Naheem Hines. Yeah. He's gonna. Yeah. He's gonna. He's gonna have an influence uh, on the game like Naheem Naheem Hines. So Sign me not, up for that. <laughs> that's that's great. You know what I mean? It, it's not gonna be everyone's cup of tea, but that's sure. you know he somebody's gonna fall in love with that kind of you know that kind of running back with that kind of skill set. All right, moving on to the next position, we have wide receiver, a personal favorite of mine. There are so many different yeah. flavors, again, like running back. And, uh, again, you can go back and listen to that top 10 at Jets Chaos on YouTube. Go back yeah. and uh, watch Dom and I rank our top 10. Yeah. Dom, who you got at wide receiver? 
Um, so this class is interesting. Um, I, I, you know, it, it's really, it's a weird build. So I'm going to give you one guy in my top 10 and one guy who's not, but both mm-hmm. of them I like really uh, a lot. And that, you know, Dylan and I talked about this on Sunday. I think that this class is so slot centric, you know, and both of these guys happen to probably be slot guys at the next level. So first I'm going to start with, uh, with Tank Dell. You know, I, I'd be remiss to not talk about him. Um, the guy, you know, there, there's something to say. I know he's tiny. I know he's small. You know, I know he comes from a, a, a spread, you know, run and gun style offense, but you can't knock production. Um, 2,700 yards and 30 TDs, over 200 receptions in two years. Um, he, he's, you put the ball just like that. That's what he does. You, 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 him in space is like a jitterbug. And um, that's where he, you know, that's where he excels. He create, you know, he creates separation. Super, super, you know, sharp on his cuts, super agile. You know, he, he the athletic profile is through the roof. If there's a team that can get by, you know, him being so small, I think he's going to have a role, you know. And at, at worst, like I said, I think his, you know, I think he's got a ceiling of like all pro level on special teams, you know, returning kicks and punts and so on and so forth. Just what he offers on the field as a playmaker is something that, you know, I, I don't think can – you know, can really be matched in this draft class. You know, I think he's, he's, he's like, you know, his athleticism and his playmaking ability is like that, you know, now you're going to have to create it. You're not going to, you're not going to let Tank Dell, you know, line up on the boundary and, and, you know, try to beat, you know, a six, three defensive back vertically, you know, although he's fast enough to do it, but Mm -hmm. that's just not, you know, he's going to get eaten up by those big guys. So you, you get him in motion, you put him in space, you 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 create touches in space for him and, and you just let him do the rest, you know. And the other guy that I really like, also I think is going to be dominant slot, although I, I think he personally can play a little bit on the outside, is Parker Washington from Penn State. Parker Washington's built completely different than Tank. You know, Parker Washington's probably about five eleven, probably about two hundred ten pounds. Um, the guy's like a bowling ball. You know, we talked about with Charbonnet, the contact balance. This guy has is he, he's got strong. He's got ridiculously good hands. First off, I, you know, he doesn't drop passes. He's got strong hands through contact. Um, and, and what I like about him is that uh, he, although he might not be the fastest on the field, although he might not be the, the quickest uh, on, on the field or the most sudden, um, he does everything very, very well. He wins. He, he can win at all three levels of the field. You know, and, and that's what that's what I really like. Penn State sneakily, you know, I know it's not wide receiver you, but you know, sneakily okay. they're pu- they put out good, mm-hmm. you know, good receivers. Kudos to whoever the the you know um you know the the wide receiver coaches over there at Penn State, but they put yeah. out good ball players. Like his game, he reminds me a lot like the the way he's built and and just like solid and stocky and strong of Debo Samuel. You know, what I mean, he's, wow. he he could he could be again. I'm not comping anybody. I try to stay mm-hmm. away right. from that, but right. that's who I see when I watch Parker Washington play. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's the, the, I've I actually um I've only watched a couple of their games, but I watched one the other day. I think it was one that I I recorded the clips for it like months ago. I just I just have like so many games stacked up of of clips to pull of these guys that I've watched. Yeah. So I think I've only got like literally one clip of him filed away, but I know I have others that I've gone through that I just haven't edited yet. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the guy can fly. The clip I just showed there, you saw you saw the separation he created on that yep. out route. He, you know, he he does a really nice yep. job. As you said, he can operate at all levels of the field. So. He's a really good, like you don't even see him on the. He leaves the screen for a second, but by the time that ball gets to him, look at the separation he's created. You see him yeah, in I that mean, head fake inside, yep. and then you cut see him back started. out to get up. Yeah, that exactly. Was nice. 
Technically yeah. sound. He's strong. He doesn't avoid contact. You know what I mean? And he, he's got ph- phenomenal hands. The guy doesn't drop passes. You know, he can adjust to bad balls. You know, what's going to limit him is, like I said, he's five, you know, five ten, five eleven at most. You know, some people are going to question if he can do anything more in the slot. And even at Penn State, you know, I think he only ran about 70% of the plays or, or he ran 70% of the plays from the slot. But um, he's got the skill set to win at all three levels. Yeah. Yeah. This is the third time I've heard Parker Washington's name on a draft related podcast this week. So yeah. I am now feeling like I haven't done enough homework and I'm going to go watch him tonight. Glenn, who you got at wide receiver? Um, I wanted to go with a name I wanted that we that I hadn't mentioned yet this year. Um, if you know, for anyone following the uh, the other the other account that I'm trying to get up and running the Jets picks account. Um, mm-hmm. I've tweeted this guy out a few times because I've I was watching. I can't remember which game I was watching primarily, but it was Southern Miss. And um, this guy made an incredible play. And then the next game I watched, he made another incredible play. And the next game I watched, he did it again. And I said, all right, this, this guy's got my attention now. Um, bigger, well, not, not as, you know, not a huge guy. I think he's 6'2", 6'3". But Jason Brownlee out of, uh, out of, out of Southern Miss, like I said, he's probably, um, let me see, I'm trying to find, I have a couple of clips on him here. And, uh, one play he makes against Miami where he he sort of double covered the he's able to elevate get up above the the two DBs and pluck the ball away with with a sort of a fingertip grab he does a really nice job kind of you just see him make all these highlight real he makes the routine plays too uh this is the one I was talking about against Miami um he's got two guys right in his pocket and he just kind of leaps up reaches over them snags that mm-hmm. ball um, shows really good speed, shows the ability to, to run away from def- from defenders. I think it was against Louisville. I could be mistaken. Going to try to find one. He's got one where he uh, he catches it over the middle, and then he just outruns everybody. Um, actually, no, it was against uh, Louisiana. I said Louisville. Um, so, like I said, shows speed, shows great hands. Uh, again, does the routine stuff. And he's one of those guys you look at and think, you know, I, again, who the hell knows why, but when I watch him, I, I think, why isn't this guy getting talked about a little bit more? The, uh, the highlight reel grabs and, you know, of course you got to make the routine stuff, but he's, uh, he just, he, he looks like a guy who's just a, a natural playmaker. It's the first time I've heard uh, Brownlee's name, certainly on this podcast, but just in, in general entirely. He was a combine invite, so I am excited now. And I always love wide receivers that go up and get it and then aren't yeah. afraid to chirp afterwards. So yeah, that, that's definitely <laughs> cool. Um, all right, my my wide receivers, uh, two of them I talked about on Dom's podcast on Sunday. I'll go from top down. My number one wide receiver is Jordan Addison. I am not. I will exaggerate a little bit. He would make Aaron Rodgers a 6,000-yard passer. Derek Carr, probably a 5,500-yard passer. Um, I love everything about him. He's like Elijah Moore on steroids, not literally, but in a way. Just the, the nuanced route running, I just I love the separation ability, the feel for space. Um, my my draft crush of the wide receiver room is Jaden Reed. I don't want to throw that comp out again, especially a second time this podcast, but I do get those Debo Samuel vibes from him, the aggressiveness after the catch with the ball in his hands. He's strong as hell at the catch point. Go watch Oklahoma, uh, Wisconsin's overtime period. He had a double uh, reverse pass for a touchdown. And then he went up and back shoulder, caught a ball over a DB in the back of the end zone. So he just kind of puts the team on his back against Wisconsin in overtime and won it for them. Jaden Reed's definitely a special guy. And then a guy who doesn't fit in my top 10, but another Braxton Berrios replacement, Trey Tucker from Cincinnati, a friend of Sauce Gardner, a senior bowl guy. Trey Tucker is 
got the burners. I think he's going to be special. I hope he's there in day three because I don't really see him being higher than that. And I think the Jets could really use a guy like this in like the fifth, sixth round if he's there. Trey Turner, you mean? Yeah, Trey Turner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's never so, going to die. <laughs> no. So, so the inside joke on that, Glenn, I actually interviewed him. I had a really good talk with him, and I interviewed him at the Senior Bowl. And These are just, Addison highlights, by the way. Just thinking baseball, had baseball on the brain, and I, I twice I called him. At a, at a probably five times, I called him Trey Turner. So <laughs> He was cool about it. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. We got a couple more clips here. I believe they're still – Oh, no, this is Jaden Reed. Yep, yeah. here he is, strong after the catch point, just shedding defenders. Like I said, I'm not, I'll never comp somebody to Debo Samuel, but if you give me those vibes, I, I do tend to, you know, lean towards you in my rankings and, and prefer your, those types of wide receivers. Um, all right, that's it for wide receivers. Tight ends now. Uh, we're running, we're just at the hour point. So at any point, Dom, if you got to, you know, skip. No, on I got, I, I got, I got like a good 15 more minutes. So awesome. Cool. So we'll, we'll hopefully be quick with tight ends. Jets don't really need them, but they are a loaded class. Who you got here? Dom? Yeah, it, definitely a loaded class. But one of the guys that uh, I watch and I, I, I did a lot more work on him last year, just full disclosure. And, and I got back into him this year, just kind of like similar to what Glenn is. Cause I thought he was going to be, um, I thought he could have had the chance to to be a day two, maybe an early day three guy last year. Um, Josh Wiley from Cincinnati. Yeah, mm. he is, he is big. You know, he is fast. He's a former former um, high school wide receiver. So I like that transition. But like I said, six six and change. You know, two hundred and sixty pounds. Um, he's de- he's got great hands. You know, he in, he's a contested catch freak um the question on him had always been around and why i think he went back to do it he's got a little bit bigger he got a little bit more you know uh, a little bit more functional strength uh and he became a better blocker that was always going to be the question you know um because you you knew that he could do it flexed out in the big slot you know and, and kind of playing that h-back role but they didn't know if how you know the question on him really good well can he play inside and i think this year he got a little bit bigger he really worked um, to improve his blocking, you know, listen, is he, is he Darnell Washington, you know, in the, in, in the run game? No, he's not, you know, but he's definitely got bigger. The guy's just solid hands, um, can get, you know, f- fast enough, you know, going to be in the, you know, four fives, four sixes, you know, so he can get up the seam. Um, but what he does, you know, transition to the ball, shoulder to shoulder, what he can do with those contested catches is something that caught my eye last year. He was my sleeper last year. He was the guy I really, you know, kind of hung my hat on. And then he would decide to go back to college. So I I, I think he's probably still going to be in that range, you know, probably a top 100, top 120 players in the draft, which will put him right at the end of day two, early day three. You know, but he's going to make a team happy. Probably not the Jets, but he's going to make a team happy. Did I lose you? I think you're on mute, Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw I saw I was, mouth moving. I was I, I was, was like, who can't hear who? And I'm I was looking at the next video. I was looking at the next video clip to put up and I'm like, why aren't they talking? <laughs> yeah. I come back and Dylan's like yeah, <laughs> I do that best. All right, like right, who you got a tight end? <laughs> uh, a guy a, again, sort of dipping into guys that I forgot about. Um, again, watching Minnesota this week. Um, and you know, you just said that uh, that somebody might not be Darnell Washington in the as a blocker, but this guy might be. Um, Brevin Span Ford out of Minnesota. 
the guy is an absolute monster. Um, you know, a lot of those big Mo Ibrahim runs came off of off of Span Ford's side. Um, whether it was, you know, sort of, you know, between the 20s on the goal line, whatever it may have been, he did a really nice job. He's not, you know, I, I don't know how good of a pass catcher he'll be. He'll be a guy who can be effective just based on the fact that, you know, he's 6'7". Um, so he's going to create mismatches. He won't have to be perfect to catch the ball or, you know, to earn himself some targets. And uh, sorry, my clips are uh, flipping out a little bit here. I'm going to try to post one or two of him. Um, again, 6'7 frame. He does catch the ball well when you put it on target and just a, a punishing blocker um, in the run game. And I know the Jets are, you know, the kind of the consensus is they're, they're so stacked at tight end. But, you know, the fact of the matter is it's not I, I do think that uh, the tight ends. Well, I mean, everybody was a little bit of a, a disappointment last year. But um, I think span forward, if, if uh, you can you can start talking about your guy next, Dylan, while I pull these up. because I, I do want to show a couple of his clips. Mm. Um and they're just messing up here. But again, he's a tight end that I don't, I don't think I've mentioned this year. I may have brought him up at some point last year. But, um, you know, the usual guys that I've that I've mentioned throughout the year. But Span Ford was just a, a new name that I thought I'd throw in the mix there. And uh, this should be him making a, uh, a fully extended catch over the middle, if I'm not mistaken. And then I'm going to try to throw in one or two one or two blocks where he just buries people. Um, there we go. Yeah. Oh, well, nice, so I mean, again, nice a guy, a, yep. yeah, a guy, a guy that big, you know, he doesn't have to be perfect in his routes. And uh, again, uh, you know, ball's not in a bad spot by the quarterback there, who again I thought looked good this week. And uh, look for him as a blocker in that one. And then uh, let's see, this should be another one, another uh, big run that he helps to spring. That one, let's see, that one may have messed up a little bit. When it, when it comes to the tight end position, I mean, yeah, it, it looks like on paper it's pretty locked in for the 2023 season, but we never know. Anything could happen. They could decide to move on from a CJ Uzama. Maybe they want to elevate Jeremy Rucker to that tight end two, and that would open the door for a tight end three. And like I've always said with wide receiver, especially on this team, if you're not running there, there he's on the left, putting the putting the defender on it. Yeah, puts him down on the ground twice. Um, drops him once up on the left there, lined up off off the line drops him once, drops him again, and uh, that helps spring Abraham on the left side. And you just see a lot of that from him, man. It's, I mean, he he, uh, he jumped out at me last year and then checking him out again last week, I'd, I'd forgotten how much I liked him. Yeah, yeah and, and I was as I was saying, like, if you're not run blocking as, as a skill position player on this team, you're probably not going to be on the field much. So right. if you can add some, some upside with run blocking, you're definitely going to get on the field, especially a six, seven tight end that can just do those types of things in space. We had a comment. Um, what about fullback? Uh, I, don't, I only know of one uh, Lepke from North Dakota state. So not much about him, but I just know that there is one that is uh, in the draft this year. Um, we're going to, for the sake of time, we're going to encapsulate all the offensive line positions together. But before gotcha. that, my tight end, Alabama's Cameron Latu. This is somebody I watched in the summertime and kind of one of those guys that fell through the cracks mainly because the, the Jets don't need a tight end. But I feel like he just does like like a Hainer at a, as a tight end. He just did everything well. He was kind of middle tier of everything. He's not going to wow me. He's not elite with anything. But I just felt like he was very consistent, an Alabama player. So, you know, he's probably got the intangibles, the mindset to be a professional already. So, Cameron Latu is one that I'm watching. And like I said, if you're going to cut ties with uh, CJ Uzama, even maybe a Tyler Conklin, you didn't feel like his production justified their price tag. It opens the door for more, for more opportunity for any of these guys. And this is a loaded class. Yeah. Um, but with that, we're, we're going to add offensive tackle and interior offensive line together. So Dom, you 
lead it off with your offensive lineman. Um, I'll give you one each. Um, and yeah. one one's a little bit higher that I I personally don't think a lot of people are talking enough about. Um, and one's you know a, a guy who I'm sure you know you guys and and maybe guys in the chat will talk or know, but he's kind of a later day guy. But the tackle that I don't think enough people are talking about is Anton Harrison. You know, I I, I think that he's um. I think he's just seriously. I mean, I definitely have a first round grade on him. I think he's right up there um, at the top, at that top tier, you know, probably a tier of four, in my opinion, Um, what he does um, in pass protection is like nothing else that the tackles in this class have, you know, the way he mirrors, the way he sets, the way he keeps balance, the way he shuffles and picks up, like he's, he's an intelligent football player. You know, so he doesn't get beat by, um, you know, by inside moves or counter steps or games and twists that happen up front. You know what I mean? Um, I think he could show a little bit, you know, he could play a little bit more aggressive at times. So, you know, it seems like times he takes, you know, he takes plays off, but he's, you know, always using, always playing with leverage for a big guy. He's, he's a knee bender, which is always what you like to see. Good, job of Good ankle. To make sure they can't. Oh, sorry. We got audio on this one. That's okay. Um, that that was him picking up a stunt, trying to pick that one up yeah. with you having said that uh, he's the left tackle, by the way, for those. Yeah, watching. exactly. Like I said, he, he, yeah. he's, he's smart enough. He doesn't get fooled a lot, but he's a heady player. Um, he keeps balance and, you know, he keeps his balance and sets. Like I said, he, I, I love the fact, especially for a big guy, you don't want to see them, you know, get off balance and, and be more waist benders, but you know, he, he's long enough. He, he, you know, Good, he plays with good hand placement. He gets in his sets quick. He doesn't get beat a lot to the outside, and he's quick enough and agile enough to shift on the inside. Like I said, he's I I you know I think of I think of Charles Cross. You know when I watch him play last year, I thought the same thing. Like man, this guy's a great pass protector, but can it transform? You know, can he help in the run game at the next level? That's what I thought of Charles Cross, and it's the same thing I say I see with him. Um, sneakily, I think you know he's probably going to end up in my top three of tackles. You know? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So I, I think, you know, I happen to not be, um, I won't get into that, but he's probably going to be um, in my top three tackles. I'll say that, you know, and the other guy that I like, um, who's definitely a later guy is McClendon Curtis, you know, the, from Chattanooga, he's a, ta- mm-hmm. he was a tackle in college, you know, big, nasty MFR, um, probably going to transition inside and play guard. Um but he's, you know, he he's a molar man. You know, he's he's a big boy. He he's quick enough and and agile enough that he can get out into that second level where you know he and he's super long six 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 and a half probably probably you know close to you know three hundred and twenty three hundred twenty five pounds. Um, I don't want to cut you off, but I have his measurables here: six five and three quarters, three thirty one. Yeah, and he has thirty five inch arms and eighty four inch wingspan, which is just massive for even a tackle. So if you bump this guy in, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think. Well, listen, he just doesn't have the footwork to play on right. the left side. Like, could he develop into a right tackle? Yeah, but I think his home is going to be inside. Um, you know, uh, you know, definitely, you know, probably a better fit for a power gap scheme but mm-hmm. i think he's got an I, I think he's got enough agility and he's always moving forward and he's always finishing i think he's got enough agility to to make it you know with his own blocking scheme if that's what the jets are going to do like i said um no don't know how he you know he, he's a big boy he anchors up he anchors up tough um he had trouble with speed on the outside you know playing on the tackle so 
Like, like I said, I think his home ends up in the middle. Usually the guys who, who don't have the footwork or, or, you know, can't handle the speed on the outside when they're big boys like that, they kind of transfer inside anyway. So he was a guy, and I know he was in mobile. I didn't see too much of him, and I don't remember him too much um, in mobile, but he's a guy that's always been, you know, he's been on my radar all year long. Glenn, what do you got at offensive line? Um, I'll try. I'll I'll keep it quick. I'll go with one tackle who um I watched uh a couple times this year. Uh, Connor Galvin, who is not uh again he's I'm trying to avoid the you know the guys that we hear so much about. Um, sure. You know, of course, I I love Skaronski. He's probably my favorite guy in the class. Yeah. And we've talked about Harrison and and um you know a few of those guys on that Oklahoma offensive line, um who are so impressive. But Connor Galvin, I feel a, a guy for his size. He. I think from what I've seen of him, he moves well enough that he could be the type of guy the Jets target if they do look to go for a tackle. Now, not early on, obviously. Um, you know, he's not going to be a, a day one or day two pick, um, but he's a guy that he play, again plays for Baylor and uh, shows shows good agility for a guy his size. He just moves better than you would expect. Um, Dante Bull, he Dante Bull might go undrafted. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm only going to throw him in there because I was such a fan watching. So uh, no that, that, that Fresno State team, man, was just there were so many players on there that I liked. You know, you had uh, Moreno Cropper. You had Hayner, who we've mentioned, Remigio, who I've sent you some clips of. Yeah. Uh, and we've discussed briefly um, Perales on defense. Like they've got some players on that team. And Bull was just a guy just as the games are going on, I'm noticing he's like flipping left to right during the game and doing a decent job in both spots. Like not, you know, I'm not saying he's, he's not a dominant player. Who's going to, who's like I said, he could go undrafted for all I know, but he's a guy to keep an eye on because of his versatility and strength. He's the type of guy who could, you know, as, as we say, a guy who could steal a roster spot. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at Connor Galvin shrine uh, measurements, six, six and a quarter two ninety three, So a little light. Eight mm-hmm. and a half inch hands. That's really small. We we talk about Luatimi at nine inch hands having small hands, <clears throat> and then uh, thirty two and an eighth arm. So just under the threshold for offensive tackles. But definitely somebody that if he can move well in space, I'm sure the Jets can find a, a need for him in the later rounds. Um, my guys here. Let me pull back up my list. It's funny you brought up Anton Harrison, Dom, because I think. Um, his partner on the other side, the right tackle, Wanya Morris, Wanya Morris yeah. is also very good. Um, a senior bowl guy. I thought he did very well. Um, but similar to the, the offensive lineman you talked about, uh, McClendon Curtis. I felt like at the senior bowl, he was getting beat a little bit by the speed players. But he was able to hold his own. He wasn't getting beat every rep. Um, so Wanya Morris is a tackle, you know, probably, again, a, a day three guy, late day two guy, that if they don't go for the big guys up in the front, he could be somebody that you look at. And then my interior offensive line is actually Aluatimi, Victor Aluatimi from Michigan, the center. Um, I don't know if he will stay at center at the NFL level. Maybe he'll move out a little bit to guard, but his hand size do- does come into question. I believe it's zeroth or one, one first percentile hands as far as draft history with centers. So that does what raise question marks. But I felt like once he was able to grab onto you, even with those little hands and mobile, he was able to, you know, grip up and have good grip strength to mirror with you. And he wasn't really, you know, getting pushed back or like you like to say dog walked. I didn't really see him getting dog walked too much. And I think it, the interior pressure being what it is now in the NFL level, you're going to need a solid interior guy. And I don't know if he'll necessarily be elite, but I feel like as a solid option, he could be, a very good plug and play guy. Um, 
and that's pretty much going to do it. Uh, any any last words on uh, any of those guys, Dom? Wait, we're not doing punters? No, I'm kidding. Oh, shoot. They get their own show. We do a full hour on punters <laughs> once a year. You need it. You yeah. need it nowadays. Now, yeah, I will say, though, one guy, sorry, I wanted to mention, you can't leave him out. He'll go undrafted. I want the Jets to bring him to camp because uh, UCF, he's played tackle, he's played guard. I want a dude on the roster named Samuel Jackson. That would be absolutely oh. awesome. Um, <laughs> not only is he named Samuel Jackson, he played his high school ball in Bradenton, Florida, where I lived for a few years. I actually lived like a feet from where he played. Get um, out of here. Yeah, yeah that, awesome. was that, that was uh, that was crazy uh, coincidence. I, I saw the name. I thought, oh, Samuel Jackson, you got to draft this guy. And then I see, you know, Bradenton, Florida. I was like, okay, Bradenton guy. So uh, <laughs> let's let's go get Samuel Jackson, whatever his middle name is, just change it to L, and uh, and let's roll with that dude. Yeah, amen. Yeah, if his middle name doesn't start with an L, it certainly does now. It, 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 it drops him down your board quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, Samuel if, K. If, Jackson. if his middle name is Lawrence, it moves him up three rounds. Hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so listen, I, I mean, we could. We probably could have went back and forth for another two hours, you know, Easily. just spitting out guys oh, yeah. and, and, you know, pros and cons. Like that's kind of what, you know, what I'm, how I'm built and what I do. So, you know, being with like minds like you guys, like I really appreciate it. I appreciated the time on here. Um, you know, and, and listen, even the guy who I, I fancy myself, you know, pretty astute to, you know, college football and the draft prospects. And, and you know, Glenn gave me a couple guys I'm, you know, that I got to do more, you know, due diligence on. You know, oh, yeah. the, the yeah, Minnesota, that, that, the Minnesota tight end. Yeah. Full, you know, full disclosure, forward, man. That dude yeah. just buries people. And again, he's yeah. six, seven. He's, he's a punishing blocker. Check him out. Yeah. 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 I haven't done, I haven't done enough work. So, you know, well, that's, I say it all the time, man. We're all one man show. And you know, I get, you know, you're not, I don't know about you guys. I'm not just watching this year's prospects. Like if guys from mm-hmm. following years are jumping out at me, I'm taking notes and taking clips and yeah. you know, I'm, I'm at like six, 7,000 video clips of players that you know and only a couple hundred are getting drafted so i probably have a problem yeah so i'm not i'm sorry ahead after you i was gonna say i'm not a subscriber to draft comps but if glenn had a draft comp for the work that he does i'd say he's like an emery hunt with the the nobody's emery that he has you just every hunt hunt tells you about like division two canada players (laughs) yeah (laughs) emery hunt is on a whole new level of knowledge but yeah, like I said, you, you bring up a name and Glenn most likely has a clip for him. So it's all always fun. Yeah, well I'm gonna I'm gonna here. hop on right when you know after I drop my son off. I'm gonna just hop on Caddy's cutups and start looking at the, the Minnesota kid. Yeah, yep, and I'm and gonna, gonna do a... the same with Parker Washington when we get off here. So Dom, please let everybody know where they can find all your work. Um sure. we really appreciate having you on. Yeah, um you can follow me on Twitter at at, at DC underscore NY Jets. Um, I'm also, like I said, I, I do a lot of content, you know, with green beans. So all the stuff I put out, I'll put out weekly videos. Um, that's probably one just went out actually, I think posted today on Michael Wilson. I did a little breakdown on Michael Wilson. You know, we're calling a project prospect. I've also started a podcast, which I just filmed my first episode of called the project pod, uh, project prospect podcast. So that will be, you know, released through Green Bean Jets or Green Bean Jets fan. That's who, you know, I do all my writing and all my uh, all my work with. Um, You can find me Monday nights hosting the 10 o'clock mock with him. You can find me on Sunday nights, you know, co-hosting a draft show at 9 p.m. on on Jets Chaos YouTube channel. And outside of that, you know, I'll make random appearances here, there, all over the Jets content creator. So um, pleasure doing this with you guys. And I appreciate you asking. 
Yeah, thanks oh, yeah. for coming on, man. We'll, we'll yeah, definitely no have to have you back on either before the draft or after the draft. But thank you again so much. We really appreciate having you on. No, my pleasure, man. All, All right. And for, so long, for Glenn. Glenn. Yep. Take care. And for Glenn Naughton, you can follow him on Twitter at AceFan23. Also follow that Jets uh, Jets prospect account that he's been talking about, Jets Picks, at Jets P-I-C-K-S. We're really trying to grow the community over there. I, it, tons of videos. Even next year's prospects are already getting leaked out by Glenn. It's great. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at D-Terriman. Follow Jet Nation on all, all social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, like rate and subscribe, do all the things that we know you guys like to do. And uh, like I said, uh, I think next week we'll, we'll have some quarterback news to really dive into. So um, everybody just sit tight. Don't really get mad at everybody. Glenn, you got something to say? No, I was going to say, well, I could imagine we'll be jumping on live at some point if there's an update. Oh yeah. We will certainly be the breaking news, urgent podcast if need be. And uh, if not, we'll see you guys next Thursday. We really appreciate everybody and let's go jets.